Hey everyone, welcome to Healthy Mind, Happy Life Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Engler. I believe that we can all move through life transitions without losing who we are, but it takes the right support, community, and connection to carry us through. We can heal through sharing experience, strength, and hope. Each week, we will have genuine and real conversations that will inspire you to shift your mindset to live a happier, free life. Hey everyone, thanks again for joining me for another week on Healthy Mind, Happy Life. Real quick, if you could scroll down to the bottom of this episode, of course, not while you're driving, but if you could scroll down to the bottom, hit those stars, write a review. It really helps to boost the podcast so that it gets exposed to more people. Also, I wanted to share some really exciting news with you. I just released a new guided journal. It's called Unshakable Confidence. It's a guided journal to let go, trust, and be unapologetically you. It's made up of five sections. And each section is a step towards building that confidence that you've been looking for. It really helps you to begin to understand and break down those inner workings that are within you. You will learn how to integrate what you learned through journaling and you will integrate this into your daily life, resulting in more confidence and just learning to own who you are. Because at the end of the day, that's all we really want. I know I want it. I'm, I made a decision a long time ago that I am just exhausted from trying to either live in someone else's shoes or rejecting myself. And I made a decision that I was done feeling that way. That doesn't mean that you find confidence overnight. There are steps that have to be taken in order to achieve that. And this journal is a great way to begin that or even if you've been doing this work for a while to just keep going with the process. It's only five bucks. So if you don't like it, it's not a big loss. But I guarantee that this journal will really help guide you through and sift through those things that you've been looking for. So thank you again for your continued listening and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to today's episode. It's just me today, no guests, so it's great to just be back with you. And uh, yeah, I don't, you know, I guess I don't even know where to begin. Life is just life. Life is just life. And I am not in a super creative phase of my life in terms of creating content for the business and I'm learning that that's okay that life comes in phases and I'm always reminding myself that there's ages and stages of life and right now I'm in the thick of it I have little children and I homeschool and I have the business and I have a marriage and still trying to when I can maintain a social life and make time for myself which is not an easy thing to do with a third kid in the picture, but it's possible. If it's a priority, then we will make time for it. 
And that's it. If things are not a priority, we're not going to carve out the time for it. Now, I'm not saying it's something that you have to do every single week, but if there is something that you've been thinking of, like you want to get a massage or go to a yoga class or just have the kids out of the house so you can clean the house or just take some time to be alone, whatever that might be or look like, if that feels like a priority to you, carve it out. It doesn't need to be four hours a day. It can be an hour. You can prioritize that if it's something that you've really been wanting to do or feel like you really need. If you don't take what you need, then what's going to start happening? I know in my world, things start feeling really heavy and daunting and I start getting resentful and bitter and angry towards the people that I love, towards myself. And so that's just not a place that I personally want to be in. And it's not perfect, right? Though I can't always carve out that time. But if I can, if I can do it, then I'm I'm going to because mentally I'm such a better person and feel better overall when I can really take that time to myself. And it gives me an opportunity to just think clear. Right? My life is so back to back, like I have this and then I have that and then I got to go here, then I got to go there, that I don't ever feel like I get a chance to just breathe. I'm always thinking, right? But I don't necessarily always have the opportunity to write those thoughts down, make those thoughts become something, manifest those thoughts, get rid of those thoughts, whatever it might be. I'm just always thinking. And so when I can take a pause, you know, it gives me a time to like, or gives me the time to just journal about it, think about it, use it as a something that's productive or reframe it, right? Even the last couple of weeks, I was extremely busy with seeing clients and then there was a dip where I had a lighter week and more people were rescheduling. My instant thought is panic and worry that what does this mean? Where is this going? And then I have to check myself. Say, it's okay. How can you use this as an opportunity and not see it as a failure? And the opportunity is I get to record more episodes to be with you guys. All right. I have time to get my paperwork done. I get an opportunity to just catch up on things or or be creative which isn't something that I have a ton of time to do these days. So there's opportunity if I see it, right? If I can take that step back and look at it and not get wrapped up in the woe is me or I'm a failure or I'm comparing to this person and I'm not doing as much as this person. Like, whoa, hold on, slow down, take a step back. What opportunity is here for you? So that's kind of just some of my thoughts that I've been having that I wanted to share with you guys. Today, I really did want to talk about high-functioning anxiety, which kind of goes with what I was just talking about. I've talked about high-functioning anxiety here and there on the podcast. Today, I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into it. So high-functioning anxiety 
is not in the DSM, which is the diagnostic manual that we use to diagnose people, it is not in there. I wouldn't doubt if it is in there in the next few years or when they rewrite a new one. But what I realized when I was jotting down some notes for this episode is that it really does seem like we have a name for everything these days, right? So I've always called it overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. Really, it's high-functioning anxiety. and But I've also heard someone call it irritated depression or agitated depression, which the symptoms are the same. So there's just a label for everything. And the the conclusion that I've come up with is that it helps us understand ourselves better to be able to label it, right? It's like if you have something going on medically and they can't figure it out, it's a relief to get a diagnosis, even though you don't really want that diagnosis. There's a relief that comes with that because, oh, hey, now I can name it so I can do something about it. And we get kind of stuck in that sometimes. Um, and I, I, myself included here. So I, I know that it helps us understand it better. The other one that I hear thrown around a lot is, oh, they must be on the spectrum. They must be on the spectrum. That's I hear that probably multiple times a day. While there might be some truth to that, we're also all just people, right? So a diagnosis or labeling someone that way, it it can change things because it helps us have an awareness, and we'll get into that in a minute, um, and help, uh, help us to understand ourselves better or understand other people, but also we can get stuck in the label of it. Right, we can get trapped in the label, like, oh, well, it's because I have this high functioning anxiety, or or because I'm on the spectrum, or because I have bipolar, or because of it, you fill in the blank. So, yes, having something to label our symptoms is extremely helpful, but we also have to be mindful of not getting trapped in it. And using it to help us identify things about ourselves, identify our symptoms, or identify when something's happening and just say, you know what, this is my anxiety right now. That's where it comes in into play and where it can be extremely helpful. But when we get stuck in the label of it and say, well, you know, this is just my anxiety, I have to let it ride it out, and there's nothing I can do about it. Mm, we're going to get into that part of it here shortly. So what I want to talk about first is the nervous system and its role in high-functioning anxiety. So somewhere along the line, when you were a kid, you learned to operate in, in this manner. So the symptoms of high-functioning anxiety are being an overachiever, being a planner, a doer of all, overthinking and overanalyzing, fear of failure and striving for perfectionism, 
having nervous habits such as shaking your leg, biting your nails, clicking your mouth, whatever, go on and on, right? There's so many different nervous habits that, that we all have. Also dwelling on past experiences or interactions that you have with people. These are the most common symptoms of high-functioning anxiety. So somewhere along the line, your nervous system started to process that things weren't feeling safe. So these symptoms were a way to create safety in your life at that time, right? If there was something chaotic going on at home or you had a parent with extreme anxiety or addiction or you were feeling lost in your family or in school, you were falling behind or whatever it might be, didn't feel good enough. So somewhere along the line, you started to tap into these these symptoms, these behaviors, and they started happening because your nervous system processed them as, okay, these bring me safety. We talk a lot on on the podcast during the interviews, and I've talked a little bit about it regarding this fight, flight, freeze, collapse mode of the nervous system. But what I wanted to talk about today that we don't talk about often enough is the freeze and fawn experience. The freeze response is associated with what people usually picture when they think of anxiety. It's an impaired functioning and paralyzation in fear. The fawn response is the hallmark of high-functioning anxiety. It involves acting immediately to please someone to avoid conflict. So, a.k.a. people-pleasing, right? And that's where all those symptoms that I described, right? You're a planner. You're a doer of all. You're a high achiever. You're well-organized. There's some kind of conflict with someone and you're quick to swoop in, be the hero, and and fix it, right? Just make everyone happy in the situation, even if, and most of the time it does, puts you at risk. And what I mean by that is you're putting other people's needs and discomfort above your own. That's the basic definition of people-pleasing. My definition is people-pleasing is not about anybody else. It is simply about ourselves. We people please, so we don't feel uncomfortable. We think we're doing it to make that person feel better, but really it's because we're uncomfortable with the conflict. We're uncomfortable with setting boundaries. We're uncomfortable that they're not okay with the boundaries we set. So we compromise ourselves. We we lower our boundaries. We find some kind of resolution, even if it means... We're just sacrificing our needs and desires because it'll just make this conflict better or go away. So that's really that fawn response in the nervous system. It's like a computer, right? It is over years and years learned to operate and function a certain way. That doesn't mean that we are programmed one way and can change it. We and can't change it. We absolutely can change it. It just requires a lot of patience, persistence to 
keep working at it and find that regulation and find a new way of operating. We have to override our system. We have to find new ways of bringing safety into our life because what happened was these behaviors once brought us safety. They did. They did serve a purpose. They kept us safe throughout childhood, throughout high school, throughout our 20s when we're building our careers. They, it did have a purpose. It did help us. But now things are probably shifting. And you may be noticing that, this, that these behaviors and these thought processes no longer bring you safety. They actually make you feel unsafe. Because they make you feel like a failure, like you're not good enough, like you don't have any worth, your worth is contingent on other people. And it's, you start to recognize, like, I'm, I want to say no, like, I'm not okay with just saying yes and pleasing everyone else, but I am scared of that, right? I'm scared of setting boundaries. I'm scared of putting myself first because it's not something you've ever done. But you know that there's a shift happening. And maybe you're past that. Maybe you're just kind of starting to think about that wherever you are in this process. What you do know is that having these these characteristics, right, no longer are serving you in the way that they used to serve you. Now, does this mean that you have to go on medication or seek out a therapist or anything like that? No. Actually, high-functioning anxiety can be used to your benefit if you channel it, right? So if you think of it that way, instead of trying to get rid of it, you can use it and channel it into something really productive in and helpful and actually learn to do this dance with it, right? Become in a relationship with it. Because what starts to happen is it's it can somewhere along the line it started controlling you, right? That you started doing these things because you felt like you had to, um, for whatever reason, to give everyone this persona that you are confident, that you're driven, that you're organized, that you're worthy that you're good enough but on the inside you're just doing those things to mask the massive fear and worry that you have so if we can learn to regulate that worry and fear instead of manifesting it into these behaviors what it what would happen if you just acknowledged your worries and fear an exercise that I gave a client the other day is a mantra. And I told her, put your hand on your chest. When you're feeling like you want to respond because you're feeling a certain way, you feel bad for someone, you're having a lot of empathy for someone, you don't feel like someone else can get the job done, whatever the reason might be. I want you to pause, place your hand over your chest and say this, just because I feel this way doesn't mean I have to act on it. Just because I feel this way doesn't mean 
I have to act on it. So let's get into why do we act on it. We act on it to give us an illusion of control. If we're feeling uncomfortable, we don't have control over that, but we want to. So we will try to gain traction and gain control by being prepared for that meeting, by putting down our boundaries and letting people walk all over us, by doing things that people don't even ask of us, by rearranging our plans or canceling on other people to go do something else, or because we put too many things on our plate, whatever it might be, we're feeling something and responding to it through a behavior. Now we're human beings. We're going to do this for the rest of our life. But you get to choose. You do get to choose. If you're listening to this, you've already started to build the base of this confidence pyramid, which is awareness. What you may be struggling with is how do I get from overthinking into awareness? I have a free... I have a journaling booklet that I'm going to be releasing shortly. It's going to be five bucks. It's about six pages of a series of journal questions that will walk you through a lot of these things that I talk about on the podcast. So if building confidence is an area that you're desiring to work on, but you're not fully sure that you want to do one-on-one coaching or counseling, then this is a good option because it gives you some insight into you as a person and see if this is the work that you want to do. And it will help you move into that space from overthinking into awareness because awareness is actually a really good thing, right? We can be aware of, okay, I'm feeling worried today, but I'm feeling this way. I don't have to act on it. I can just be worried. That's okay. I can say to people, I'm just feeling worried. I can just acknowledge that I feel worried. Like what a relief to not have to do anything with that, to not create something of that, right? If you're feeling worried and then you try to overprepare for a meeting at work and it doesn't go the way that you thought it would go, right? Or you had all these expectations of the way that you thought it would go. You're going to feel like a failure. You're going to overthink that for the rest of the day. You're going to play through that in your head. You're going to play out all these different scenarios of the ways it could have went or what you could have said. Instead of just saying, I felt really worried or I'm not fully happy with how that presentation went. I'm disappointed. Or I did the best I could, right? Whatever that might be, whatever acknowledgement of the feeling that you're having, instead of continuing to perpetuate it and beat yourself up. So that would be the difference between overthinking, continuing, letting it continue spiraling versus awareness. Okay, I'm having this feeling. I'm not happy with how it went. Or I did the best I could or whatever, fill in the blank. And that's okay hand on chest. Just because I feel this way doesn't mean I have to respond to it. So anxiety 
is in the body, right? It does start in the mind. It's when your amygdala is sending signals to your brain that something feels unsafe. And that's when you start feeling it in your body. Anxiety is different from depression. Anxiety is more body heavy, right? You Most people usually feel it in their throat, in their chest, their hands are shaking. They just their stomach hurts, like there could be a variety of symptoms, but anxiety is very much in the body. So if we can just acknowledge how our body's feeling, our minds and our bodies can become one. We can learn to tap into both. We can use both because they both serve a function, right? But often we're scared of our emotion, so we tap into our brain or that's just the the automated response that our body That's just the way our body is automated. It, We're used to using our brains first and thinking our way through something. But what if we just acknowledged our feelings in the way our body's feeling? What would happen? You may be thinking, that sounds really scary. I hate emotions. I hate feeling that way. I hate feeling restless. I hate feeling like I have to do something or try to restrain myself from responding to that. It is. It is hard. I'm not saying it's easy. But once you keep practicing it, it actually is easier than creating all these narratives and stories in your head that are also exhausting you and creating more emotion. So either way, you're going to feel emotion. It's just which door sounds better to walk through. That's all I have for today's episode. I hope you guys can use some of the exercises that I gave you, you know, either hand over chest and just say, I I hear you anxiety or I hear you worry. I'm with you worry or just same thing, hand on chest, say, just because I feel this way doesn't mean I have to act on it. Try those two things this week. That's all you need to focus on. Just practice one of those things and see how it goes. I'd love to hear your feedback. Send me an email or a message on Instagram. I'd love to hear how things are going for you. And if you like this episode, please share with a friend. And I would greatly appreciate that. I will see you guys all back next week.